Creative Council Episode 69, From Setback to Success, When a Booming Travel Business Meets COVID with Kylie Chen of Alcanella Expeditions. Welcome to Creative Council with Brittany Rattel. I'm your host, Brittany, an attorney for creatives who believes in solid contracts and cute office supplies, and who wants to empower you to be a more confident business owner. Whether you're a creative, influencer, maker, artist, shop owner, or content creator, you are not just a blank. You are a real bona fide business owner. So let's help you own your business and get you legally legit with Brit. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Rattel, and I'm so excited to share this conversation today. So um, Kylie Chen is a founder of Alcanella Expeditions, The Wander Camp, and The Adventure Dress. She's traveled to more than 121 countries, dang girl, travel goals, right? (laughs) And has spent numerous years both living abroad, hosting tours across Europe, Asia, South America, and Africa. Her international experience and love for impactful travel led her to found her first company, Alcanella Expeditions, a boutique travel organization that curates hands-on tour experiences around the world, and later shifted to Wander Camp, a wandering hotel of glamping hotels across the U.S. national parks. She's been the recipient of many awards, including Utah Business 40 Under 40 and Sego's World's Fastest Growing Companies in Under Five Years. Kylie studied business strategy and international development at the BYU Marriott School of Management, attended uh, University of Oxford and University of Cambridge to study social innovation and international development. And so I am so excited to have her um, on the podcast and to share this conversation that we had with you. Whether we hope, of course, that we never meet another COVID-like disruption in our businesses, especially those of us that do in-person events or are based around travel or hospitality, um, because it was one of those, you know, world-changing, how can you expect for that level of unexpected, right? Um, But regardless of what you do in your business, I think you're going to find a lot of gems in this conversation with Kylie, who's someone who's um, been trying to be very thoughtful and intentional in building her brand and also in learning how to pivot and diversifying her revenue streams um, and figure out what she loves to do in her business and maybe what she's just good at. And sometimes those aren't the same thing. Please excuse the audio quality on my behalf. Um, We've been upgrading actually a lot of the audio here behind the scenes of the podcast. Um, And despite my husband's many careful instructions about what to plug in and what to turn on when, um, I completely flubbed it up (laughs) and went uh, back in time to using my computer audio. So um, it sounds really bad. Uh, as As I said to my husband, it sounds like it's one of those third grade talent shows when they're like eating the microphone, you know, and you're like, please for all that is holy, can you slow down and back up a little bit? So huge apologies there. Cause I know that's obnoxious to listen to, but I promise we will do better and can do better in the future to serve you. So without further ado, let's dig into this conversation with Kylie. Hello everybody. And welcome back. Um, I'm Brittany and I'm so excited to be joined by my guest today, Kylie Chen. Um, Kylie, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wonderful. And here we are. Here we are, you know, make, make, making it happen. Um, I, I'd love to just kind of hear your origin story, especially because you're now in the awesome position of being a serial entrepreneur. Um, and we got to hear a little bit about your, your different companies and the things that you're up to. But um, give us kind of the, uh, you know, 20,000 foot view of, um, of your company and where you started and, and what you're working on now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm in Montana at the moment. So we're here renovating a cabin. So if you hear any background noise, that's that, the entrepreneur life. Yeah, real hashtag real life Montana, you know, van life. Yeah. How to put, how to put that out there. Um, but yeah, no, so my background is um, I, co- coming out of school, went to BYU, um, started my first business actually while I was in school. Um, I had the opportunity to travel a bit and um, anyways, wanted to, wanted to turn my passion into a, a career. And so my first business I started was actually Spices. A lot of people don't know that, a Canela. Now it's a travel company. We do trips all around the world, but it started as a spice brand um, because that's how I thought I wanted to bring travel to people. I didn't realize I could take people on trips. I didn't realize that was a thing. I thought, oh, these food experiences are cool. Let's curate these recipes and partner with people around the world and create these spice blends and like bring travel to people's homes. Learn the hard way. That was my first big pivot that, um, you know, that a certain type of product was not easy to ship. It broke. No, it was, it was. It was not a feasible business, um, but it did allow me to pivot into um, travel. I actually had a mentor who sat me down, a family member, and said, Kylie, have you ever thought about actually doing trips? The spice business is cute, but um, I think there's a lot more revenue in that. And when I started my business, I wasn't honestly revenue driven. I was passion driven. And I think both are important now, you know. Um, but yeah, started a Canela. Um, you know, we 
it started just a one-man band with me took um I, I was on a lot of the first trips realized as a business owner that's not sustainable how can you grow I love traveling so it was a balance but I uh, hired my first employee I think six months into the business um and it was the hardest thing I've, I'd ever done to okay, say how scary was that yeah it was hard, you know, even just coming down to like, how much do I pay them? How, you know, do I want to bring them on full time? You know, should we keep them part time? Because this whole benefits thing scares me. There's just so many things you're not, you're not um, prepared for when you start a business and you start hiring. So I, I did hire someone part time, you know, at, um, at a, a wage that I felt comfortable with and she felt comfortable with. And honestly, we were good friends. So um, I know some people say, stay away from working with friends and family. It worked. It worked for me. We loved it. Um, I was in Los Angeles at that time. So we worked out of a co-working space. I needed to get out of the house. So did she. Um, and that's actually when we stumbled upon um, partnerships and, you know, giveaways was a, a certain category of those partnerships that really took off for us. Um, it's a, it was very unique because we um, ended up getting on a platform with like Condé Nast and you know, Volkswagen and all these big companies. And we had like 500 e combined email subscribers and um, uh, social media subscribers. And I was like, we are going to get annihilated. But we, we thought very creative. That was one thing that myself and the first girl I hired were very good at. And we thought, you know what? Nobody is, no travel company is in this giveaway space being like the premier unique experience provider for all these big companies. They have to go pitch brands and do all these things. So we became that. And we grew so quickly because we would provide the trip and strategically, we actually got them to pay us for it and get all the emails from it. So we were like a solid partner. So we made money on the giveaways and we grew. And then, you know, the giveaways were different than they were now. In right. that two year span, I mean, we grew our list to over a million really targeted people because they were entering a travel giveaway. They wanted to travel. They were already raising their hand and qualifying themselves that they're interested. Yeah. That was like, um, I, I say, you know, entrepreneurship is hard work and determination, number one, but number two, it's putting yourself out there. So you are in the right place at the right time. And that was us being in the right place at the right time. We got that opportunity and it, it, it was like the, 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 the energy that got us to where we were now, obviously after that, we started getting smart and, you know, doing other things, other type of partnerships. We continued to grow our list other ways. We started actually sending emails to people um, and email marketing has really been one of our number one revenue drivers. Like I would contribute our engaged community to about 80% of our revenue. And um, pre-COVID, since I know um, numbers are important to people, I mean, um, you know, we grew from, I had $1,000 in my bank account. We grew the business to over 5 million. And Amazing. Really so um, it's different now with COVID. <laughs> We've had some other challenges. But um, yeah, just, just from jumping on that one idea, I started hiring more people. That was a good experience for me. And I started hiring more people. Was, was it always a good experience? No. There were some really hard learnings um, for me, not being, a, a, you know, making mistakes as a leader, um, one. And two, you know, maybe hiring people that just weren't a great fit and not knowing how to look for that. So it's been, it's been a role. It's, or it's been a, yeah been a journey a journey ding you know and in all the ways yeah to do that um so i mean you you quickly pivoted like you said from spice realizing and sounds like you got some great advice which is always helpful to have someone outside perspective to look at you look at your talents and just to pose the question of you know have you thought about doing this you know there's not some special club that you're not part of that would preclude you from doing you know a travel business even though it probably on paper sounds a little scary because you're like in person yeah. dealing with moving in especially internationally and regulations and compliance and um yeah could be a little overwhelming yeah yeah and i i always say this and i'm sure you the the, the lawyer side of you just cringes but the best thing you have as an entrepreneur when you start in my opinion is just being naive because you're not afraid to start um then you start to learn hard lessons later so you got to move out of that but you know just being willing to go and put your foot down and um, like not being afraid of what people think and not being afraid of making mistakes and owning up to those mistakes, knowing that you'll make them right when you do make them because they will come. Right. It's so, so important. And you learn fast, like you learn fast. And, and you fail fast and you brush yourself up and, and get up and do it again. Yeah. So no, I, I agree with you. Even as someone who's, you know, obviously I, I tend to be on the risk factor of seeing problems more than probably the average person, but there's a healthy balance because if you let yourself think I can only do things where I can control the outcome or I can see all the pitfalls, then you're right. You wouldn't move forward. Um, and that's not helping you. That's not a true spirit of entrepreneurship. So 
Yeah, you'll be paralyzed, won't move forward. Right. For, exactly. <laughs> so you had and grew this amazing travel business, um, you know, very experiential based, you know, trying to kind of be creative in your marketing using email marketing where maybe a lot of people weren't using that really looking into brand partnerships, um, you know, influencer partnerships, different ways that you can leverage a community. Um, and then, of course, we get the sea monster. <laughs> Tell us about that. What was it like being in the travel industry when COVID hit? It's funny because when I used to do these podcasts, it was all a canela. I mean, I would go into the, the, the nitty gritty and it's kind of funny now that it's like, it, it, it's, it's, we're in a whole nother world right now. Like everything has changed. Um, when it's like B, you know, it's like a, you know, BC and AD, honestly, like before COVID and after COVID. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, if I were ever to write a memoir, it'd be like pre-COVID, post-COVID. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, yeah, I did not see it coming. No, I mean, none of us did, but it's just crazy. I think about this a lot looking back five years, cause it was five, almost our five year mark that COVID hit, right? The start of 2020. I thought, man, if I would have known this was coming five years ago, would I have done this? Like, like, am I, pre like, what was I preparing myself for this? Anyways, a lot of interesting introspection, but um, I was on trips back to back to back beginning of 2020. I remember I was in Ethiopia on an airplane and heard the first little like word of COVID, like, oh yeah, they found this, you know, eh, thing in Asia and da, 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 da. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the world. Um, but I was on trips so back to back to back to back. I came home, went on the next one. Um, I was actually in Bangladesh for two, or sorry, Bhutan for two weeks with clients, with like a, a, a very high-end client group. Like hosting, entertaining, feeling on, you know? Yes. yes. I was, you know, they had their group leader, very high-end group, you know, it was like a workshop. And I was just there kind of as the face of a canela, not, not guiding, not doing any of that, but right. man, talk about pressure. So we get there, COVID was not really a thing um by before we left it you know it had been announced by the world health organization as a global pandemic they shut all flights in and out of bhutan down i mean bhutan of all places to be the most like one of the most protected countries um they were like they didn't have very many cases because of that but um we were there when the first case came in from an american traveler and anyways i had to really um it, that was a hard time for me because i had to smile i had to act professional i had to um provide um calmness to the group when I didn't know what was going on either and so you know your job in that point and I was also managing my team from abroad right because there was we had everything set we had everything planned and just like that you know people are asking for refunds people are postponing trips like thousands of calls coming in and our revenue numbers just went from you know to like overnight yeah, plummeted and it was just and so I, it was so so stressful um you know the group we ended up extend uh continuing our trip and going to bangladesh this was a very you know adventurous trip so um you know it was anyways ended up getting stuck in bangladesh finally got home um everyone was fine everyone still travels with us so um you know that was that was good the outcome of the trip was good but it was so so hard because um you know i was trying to manage my team from afar and everything was just tanking yeah, everything like we're just crumbling and, and it got to a point where even the team was like starting to think about their job security like right like do, do I need to be jumping ship and thinking I mean I'm not I'm not trying to be disloyal but we're a travel company and things are <laughs> yeah and you know the media the media was blowing up right airlines were like I mean it, it wasn't too long after COVID hit that you were started hearing airlines airlines were laying off and all these things so it was in the air Right. And um, it was actually interesting because we had just had a huge team shift um, nat naturally, like, you know, people just moved on to other other jobs and it was the time and season they had been with us. It was the chapter was closed and um, right at the start of that year. So uh, looking back, I think, wow, like, you know, we we were prepared the, the best that we could be for that moment for however much you could be prepared for that right <laughs> but we didn't have to lay anyone off um you know a few people did kind of choose to maybe end the chapter sooner right and on um but it was it was tough and you know I sat there I came back from those trips and thought what am I gonna do like every airline in the world is grounded every country is closed right that is 100 of my business we don't do domestic travel like, yeah. <laughs> like my business is, is zero zero in revenue from now until COVID is over yeah like scary, scary as an entrepreneur, you have a team, you've hit these goals, you're on track, you know, you're, you tried to be smart and creative and all these things. I mean, 
I mean, that, that has to have been so disheartening. I mean, like, you know, personally, how, how were you approaching that? How are you being challenged by that? The last week on that trip and the first week back was hard. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I, I went to a therapist. I, I was, you know, um, you know, I was just trying to do everything I could because I, I felt, and, and this is a fault of mine as a, a leader and people should learn from this. You are not your business, but it can be very easy to feel like you are your business. If something goes wrong, even externally like COVID, I mean, it's, it look back on it it's so stupid, but I kind of felt responsible. I felt, how could have I seen this coming? How could have I pivoted better? How I made ourselves so vulnerable. I put all of our eggs in this basket. Yeah. Why didn't I differentiate? Why, you know, you can, you can say that a million times and looking back now, I'm like, that was so stupid, but also it's part of the, I think it's a part of the the process. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, honestly, I, it's like grieving process. Like, yeah, yeah. it is kind of, you know, as an entrepreneur, you hear your business is your baby and it, it kind of is as much as you separate yourself from it and grow a team and let go. There are, there are parts of it that are, and, you know, even to this day, I think about a canal and I'm like, you know, where would have it been without COVID? Um, and I've gone past that, but, um, anyways, a week of just not getting out of my bed, just you know, trying to think what's going on. I realize I have two choices here. I have two choices. I can wait. I can sit here and wait and I can mope and I can say, ah, uh, what was me? And you know, da, 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 or I can pivot. I can, I can try something new. I can look at this as, wow, there are all these other things we wanted to try. Never had time. Cause we were so busy growing this. Like, why not try them now? Something you know, be smart about what we try. What there are still people out there that have, that want adventure. They want adventure. They can't go. They can't, this was still the point where you couldn't leave your house like even all national parks were closed too um national parks like you were quarantined at home go to the we didn't have toilet paper guys like let's remember like it was yeah crazy and so i was like well um we have all these great partners around the world all these artisans that we work with and now have no work let's 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 pivot to product we wanted to try product i started in product wasn't a success let's try it again so that's where we started launching. We launched, launched like African baskets from some amazing women in, in um, Uganda that I know and a bunch of other products. And we also launched dresses from um, an awesome lady that I had purchased dresses from in Indonesia way, way back when she made them like in a little hut. And now she's like expanded her business. And that's how the adventure dress was born. Um, so I pivoted into product, just trying a bunch of things. Pivot, the friends episode, pivot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it kind of worked. It kind of worked, and the adventure dress for some reason just took off. We didn't start as own business. We actually just started launching product under the Canela brand. Right. And we had email lists, and we, you know, we really, it was kind of this, and we started doing virtual trips at the same time too. So those were the two things: virtual trips. We partnered with a Utah organization to do them for us, who also was in the event space and got hit really hard. So that was really cool to come together. And then we launched product, and the adventure dress just took off, and we. We ran it under the Akinella brand for many, many weeks and realized this is very different than Akinella and COVID's not going away. So let's, let's spin it into its own business. And that's how that was born. Mm -hmm. so. But I love that, that you, uh, you know, more even, like you said, not paralyzed and trying to overthink it of let's just try out this product. Let's see what the response is. And if it seems like it's going to be beneficial, then, then we have some options, uh, which I think is a really great way to approach um, getting into especially a, a new area that, you know, is untested, but you're, you're open and want to see what the market validation is for it. So, yeah, yeah. I've always been a bootstrapping entrepreneur. Um, like I said, right. A thousand to 5 million. I, I just, and it's interesting in the service business because you can do that you, you know, if you look at travel, we didn't own any assets. Like they, it was all relationship based from, from relationships that I had from the travels I had done backpacking as a university student. Obviously we, we, we stepped those up because not everyone <laughs> likes backpacking. Not, not everyone loves that hostile life, you know, which is a shame, but no. <laughs> no. And you know, th those types of travelers weren't our target audience because they can go do it on their own. People right. were coming to us because they were, there was some sort of a barrier of, for them doing it on their own. Um, but yeah, so I just, started it and um you know I I thought well you know I don't think anyone's gonna fund a travel business right now and that had never been my mentality anyways so I thought well let's leverage what we have we have an awesome engaged email list people who love to travel I know a lot of them are women so we kept that in mind as we launched product and yet like you said you just try until it works and you kind of know like I'm 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 a big proponent of try everything 
and like you will you will find the thing that that calls to you you will you will you will know what you're supposed to do and in business sometimes that is the the dollar behind it you know that's a good <laughs> proponent or a good you know um way to measure for being successful but yeah so it just it just took off and um you know we're still running it today it's a it's a it's a balance right now it's hard but um yeah it, it floated us for many 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 months during mm-hmm. covid before the next pivot so right yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about the next pivot, which was year no glamping. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned through those three months of doing product. We talk about this idea of passion, right? Uh, I love the product. I love even, I mean, that's why I launched it. Cause I, I love them. Um, I, I, I love the product, but I'm not passionate about product businesses. And it's something I've learned. I really love the service industry. I love creating experiences. And so that was interesting for me to kind of grapple with over those three, four months before the national parks reopened. Um, but once the national parks reopened, kind of a funny story, I got invited to go do a trip down in um, Southern Utah with um, a very high-end glamping company who we had actually partnered with all the time at Okanela. Um, they were a partner of ours. They were doing like a photo shoot and they invited me down to come. So I did that, got to, you know, spend a lot of time. It was so refreshing to be back out traveling. And I just thought, I cannot stay at home. I need to do this. But I also thought when I was there, I'm like, I want to invite my friends to do this. And I thought, none of my friends can afford this. Like $500, $600 a night for an accommodation. They have kids, they have a family, you know, it's, that is really expensive. Um, so we actually ended up, um, uh, I left that experience and I was thinking like, this is an interesting idea. Like a lot of people are starting to travel domestic and maybe that's, maybe that's what we need to do because we um, have always wanted to do domestic trips. But honestly, I, I always thought it was boring. I live in the state of Utah and I'd seen everything, but I was such a thrill seeker. I'm like, I want to go to, you know, Russia and all these other places. Right. But he opened my eyes and I've since changed. I love the United States. I love Utah. I always have, but I have a different love for them now. Anyways, um, so we ended up putting together a, a Canela trip to one of the national parks in partnership with this company who I had just stayed with. Um, we, we sold it out. They didn't have space for us. They dropped our reservations last minute. And I don't want to blame it on the company. You know, you, you, you understand it happens. Yeah. You make mistake. Like I'm sure they were just, you know, things were changing for them. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like our one trip that we put together is now not going to run. Like I have to make this run. So it's really funny how WanderCamp started because that that was ultimately the problem that I was trying to trying to solve, and that's where WanderCamp was born. I said, "Well, there's no companies that do glamping that are available. This is the only one, so I can either cancel it or I can buy all the tents and buy all the stuff and do it myself." And that's what we did. And I will tell you that first trip. Luckily, most of the people on the trip knew me, and they had traveled <laughs> with us, and I was able to make amends with them at the end. It was hard. Like I totally underestimated how hard it would be to pop up 25 tents in Moab with everything inside of them, get working bathrooms with flushing toilets on 200 acres of BLM land that was completely off grid. Completely underestimated once again. I mean, it sounds impossible. I mean, it's like fire festival level of (laughs) building out, you know, until after that. And I was like, it's probably a good thing that you hadn't seen the documentary. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, uh, my friends, like I said, my dear friends who were on that, I've learned about it after, but you know, um, was it, was it the best trip ever? No. Was it necessary? Yes. Yes. We learned so much on that trip. And the one, the one thing that happened, um, there were tons of people that kept passing by us, stopping and saying, I want to stay here. How do I book it? And I thought you can't, we're only up here for two weeks. Like then we're gone. That's the BLM or actually only up here for four days, but BLM has a rule. You can pop up, pop down for two weeks. You have to move in between them. So we would literally, anyways, that happened. Um, and I, 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 you know, saved it in my, my mind. And, um, you know, we booked out another Moab trip and another Moab trip. So we would literally pop up for a week, take down, move 30 miles away. Cause that's the rule with BLM pop up, take down, pop up, take down. Like that was wander camp. That's why we call it. didn't even have a name actually at the beginning, but that's why it became to be called wander camp. Right. Cause the idea was we literally have this wandering camp that like can go anywhere. We popped it up in Zion. We ended up popping up in Yellowstone, but I realized that is a lot of work. Like, oh my, a lot of work. And we were missing out on a lot of opportunity because all these people would stop by and ask to book. And there was no way for them to book. We had no idea where we were going to be in the next two weeks. And that's kind of where the light bulb moment went on where I thought, naive Kylie, oh, like, let's, let's figure out places we can just pop these down. Like, 
you know, for six months at a time and we can, you know, market them on our website, do our email marketing and fill them because there's obviously people wanting to do this. The interest is here. We just need to figure out what, what's the system, you know, that we can have that's predictable, you know? So that was the, that was the birth of Wander Camp. It was that first trip to Moab and the consecutive ones and then became Zion and Yellowstone, but we were popping up, taking down, popping up, taking down and like an event business. Awesome. So, I mean, and what was it, you know, that you gave you, because there's, like you said, there's, there's a lot that you have to deal with in terms of when you're dealing with BLM and natural parks and compliance, what, you know, what spurred you forward or said this, this was worth it versus like, this is just impossible. I'm never going to be able to make this work. I was naive, honestly. I, I, I knew because we had done stuff with BLM or I personally done stuff with BLM. I knew that, um, you know, you could pop up for under two weeks. Um, and you know, I knew that, so that's what we did, but to be honest, I, um, you know, we, we, we worked with guides obviously who had guided in the national park. So we leveraged their permits. So like, I was aware of things and we were following the rules, but I had no idea, no idea. Fast forward to now, even fast forward six months from them when we were looking for permanent locations, I had no idea that if you didn't own the land, you couldn't do whatever you wanted with it. I, I seriously had no idea. I just thought it's, it's America. Like you buy the land. Yeah. You get, you know, you, you have to tell the County or tell the city, but then they give you the permit to buy the house camping. Like we're setting up for six months, taking down. That was the biggest awakening for me was just how heavily this industry is regulated. Hotels, camping, anything in recreation, anything in recreation, accommodation. Yeah. Yes. And for good reason, but on the other side, it can be extremely frustrating. So what we ended up doing is, um, so I'm from Idaho. I know you're from Idaho too. Yay. Idaho girls. Yeah. (laughs) I called my dad when this came up. I'm like, dad, do you know anyone who like has a ranch near Yellowstone? Because I have this awesome idea. Like I want to pop these tents up in Yellowstone. Like we can't just keep popping up for two weeks. So, you know, he did some digging, found some people and we ended up, um, we ended up, finding a guy who was a dear family friend, I had no idea, um, who had like a thousand acre ranch, you know, 20 minutes from West Yellowstone. And he was kind of the, uh, you know, the Idaho mentality, just go do it, which I love. And we popped up, no permitting, like we didn't talk to the county, had no idea what was going on at that, at that moment, it's different now, (laughs) at that moment, and just popped up like 25 tents, put them up on our website, ended up putting them up on Airbnb and booked out every single one, the end of 2020. And we were like, wow, this is something like we, people want this product. They want it at the price point. They love the experience. Were there, were there problems? Absolutely. We did not have perfect reviews, obviously, because we didn't know what we were doing. People loved it. And it was those people that just kept saying, where, like, where are your other locations? Where are you wandering to next? That kept this like energy and this, this fire in me. Cause, um, you know, we were, we were making a lot of mistakes. So that was, that was our first location. I mean, we popped up mostly in Southern Utah and then we set up our first permanent seasonal. So not really permanent, but more than two weeks location (laughs) in Island Park, West Yellowstone. Um, And that was end of July, 2020. So that was our first one that was like something you can, you know, count on, you know, in terms of a locale. Yeah. And having a setup. Yeah. Um, and talking about compliance, you know, by the end of that year, the county had contacted us, the neighbors had reported us a lot of different things. And that's when I learned, oh, you know, if you own the land or, you know, so-and-so owns the land and he's leasing it to us, we're paying him for the land. We can't just go do whatever we want with it. Even if it's popping up 20 tents, that was a huge awakening to me. Cause I, I, I didn't know that. And so- you, you came out with the libertarian perspective, which isn't always <laughs> wrong, but you know, le- lessons learned. Um, you can't but- do that anymore. No, <laughs> you can, you know, sometimes it's a little bit about like, it's good to ask forgiveness and you can play that card, you know, once or twice, and then you're going to need it. <laughs> you can, yeah. So you can play it once in the beginning and then, yeah, you, you, you learn what you need to learn and you say, dang, and then you, you know, it, and that's, I think where a lot of entrepreneurs probably, it would have been easy to quit then. Right. When we got those complaints and people said, you can't do this, but my mentality was, okay, okay. We can't pop up. What do you need from us? What do we need to do? You know, so we ended up having to get permitted with the county. We had to get permitted with the state because it was actually, he was leasing the land from the state. There were a lot of hoops, but I had the mentality the whole time, like you can do it. You can do it, get the right people that you need in line to make it possible. You know, whether that's, you know, an attorney or a a real estate person, whoever for us. And so we made it happen. So we're actually still in that same land in Yellowstone. That's the one location we don't own, um, but we're, we're legally permitted with the state. We just renewed our contract for 2022 and 2023. So we'll be there 
Um, and, you know, we've grown the number of tents and the number of amenities we can have because they do regulate that for good reason to protect the land. But yeah, so that's kind of learned by fire. Right. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the best way, how have you balanced in terms of, like you said, knowing that the first time you do stuff, you're going to get, it, it's going to be a learning opportunity, but how do you balance of like what comments and criticism or feedback do I need to pay attention to? And what's just, guess what guys, this is what the experience is. It, it, it is what it is. I just have to kind of steal myself. You know, how do you balance that personally? It's interesting because it's been a lot easier for me to handle criticism with Wandercamp than Akinella. And I think it's because from the beginning, it, it, it was a team effort. Like I can't run all the camps at Wandercamp. I can't right. be in all the locations. And I think that's a really healthy dynamic. Um, when you start something on your own, it can, it, at least for me, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, that trip went bad. Like I managed it. That was my fault. So it's easier for me to look at criticism at Wandercamp and think this is an opportunity to be better. And to your question, we look at all of it. Like we look at all of it and we, we are growing so fast that it is impossible for us to make all the changes that we need right now to be able to fix all of it. And so we kind of just have to be okay. Um, like, you know, having a, a, a four out of five instead of a five out of five, or, you know, some of our camps were even a little bit lower than that, which we're working on. Um, but we set up so quick. I mean, we, we did that last year was year one. So we learned a lot of things with the bathrooms, you know, that that's our number one complaint is bathrooms because we are completely off grid. We have no septic. We haul in the water. We work off of um, a solar system and we also um, they're shared so we can't control the person that goes in before. And so we had a lot of complaints about bathrooms, you know, not being cleaned up to spec and we realized, okay, we need to have a bathroom attendant. So there are things that every single piece of feedback is important and we actually really value every single piece of feedback. And I think it's it's the it's the feedback and you know the negative stuff balanced with all the positive stuff. People asking, like I said, where are your other camps? I want to go. Right. Da, 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 that keeps us moving forward because I just look at all the people that love what we're doing. It makes it really easy to continue, and look at the people that maybe didn't love the experience and say, we either need to better set expectations. Well, we do need to better set expectations, and we also need to work on all that feedback and like thank them for giving it to us right. because. We so new in this business um, and we're taking the approach what right disruptive innovation they call it start from the bottom and work your way up people don't really know you're there you know you can kind of slide by maybe you offer a lower end product than you originally intend but you can always always upgrade it and iterate sense. and yeah and and just don't make assumptions on this is how you have to do something which you know yeah. for better for worse when you scrap those assumptions that's what allows you to disrupt yeah so that's kind of the mentality we're taking do we have things to work on yes a lot Right. I'm really excited for this year because we, yeah, we have taken a lot of feedback from last year and this year is going to be so good. Well, that just sounds amazing. Talk to me a little bit about, because I imagine with this, because it is experiential, it's in person, like you mentioned, you cannot be the one managing the sites and all that stuff. How have you approached hiring? Uh, hiring is difficult now, you know, as a small business owner and then leading a team and having them get the same vision of this is what we're trying to do and this is the way we do it um you know what 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 are you what's your approach there yeah so it probably would have been easier to start in one location and like perfect it and move it we um we have five locations right now going into year two we've had four last year so we kind of learned this the hard way um so you know we have to look at we have five locations you know anywhere from five to ten hours apart um we strategically chose locations that are within 10 hours of Salt Lake City, where we're based, just because, or where our corporate team now is based, um, just so that we 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 can get there if there's an absolute emergency. Um, we 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 said no to opportunities further away. I'm excited about those in the future, but we really had to think about our team. Um, we also, when hiring, we've learned a lot of hard things in the national parks. When you hire, there's a shortage of there's a shortage of labor and hard to hire a lot a lot of places. Right. But national parks, it's really intensified. Um, so we tried our year one to hire and, you know, we, that's why, you, you know, sometimes housekeeping wouldn't shop. If you don't have housekeeping, you, you, you can't have a hotel. Like that's your, that's your number one right. role. Um, you know, sometimes our, you know, camp hosts, uh, you know, just, just different things. And so we realized very quickly, we are going to have to bring our own people in at least a portion of them to, um, supplement the local talent. And that brings in another problem. We have to house them, right? So we don't own the land, at least we didn't then. So you start to like, you can, you always run into problems. And I think if you don't have to make- If you give a mouse a cookie, if you- <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, but it's like, okay, we need to house them. Okay, so how do we house them? We can't build a house in this land. We don't own the land or we do own the land, but we don't have septic. So why don't we get a trailer? You know, why don't we get a trailer? Why don't we rent, you know, a, a spot in the trailer park um, two minutes away? Trailer park's a bad word. RV park, which are really popular right now and have beautiful views and you can right. go anywhere. Why don't we hire from work camping sites? People that already have their RVs that are like looking for opportunities. These, these, these guys are all in. They're already hashtag van life. You know, they're, they're ready to go. And then other places like maybe, you know, renting a room for someone costs this much. You know, maybe we can you know, like in, we're remodeling a lot of places right now. A lot of people ask why it's actually for staff housing. We use it for staff housing in the season. And then we have off season revenue. We're a seasonal camp. So those five locations from March to October do great. And then from October to February, you know, we still have team members, but we don't have cash flow. So I, I, I try to solve two problems at once. Great. You know, now we have an off season, you know, accommodation in Airbnb that can also be used for in season housing. So hiring is tough. Um, and I think, I think sometimes you just gotta learn the hard way. My best advice is if you hire the wrong person, it's not the end of the world, right? If it's not working for you, chances are it's not working for them either. Have an honest conversation. We've had a lot of these and just say, how's it going? You know, they'll explain maybe what's frustrating on their side. You know, you explain on your side and then you help them find a better opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities out there and we've had to do that a lot. But my philosophy is if you get the right people in there and you don't, don't keep the wrong people in there because it's a hurt to you and your business and it's, it, it hurts them too, um, the better. So we've, you know, in the beginning, that might mean a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it? Turnover. Turnover. I was gonna say transition. Turnover. Yeah, same, you know, but, um, but yeah, just being not uh, allowing that. If, Cause I see that in terms of conflict avoidance. I think that's particularly a problem with female entrepreneurs. I think, I think some of it's our strengths misused against us as a weakness in terms of trying to be compassionate and have a lot of empathy of people in their position, but um, there's nothing empathetic about keeping someone in a role that they're not going to succeed in. Absolutely. And if you approach it that way, it's a lot easier. I don't like firing people, but I also look at, I, I would, I would say I've, I've never fired someone because I've always approached it as how is this going for you? Uh, how is it going for us? And it, and it, and it, if you approach it with empathy, and I think that is a strength of ours, um, this is just how I do it. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find the best outcome. You'll find the best outcome for both people. And you do have to be willing to, to help them, right? You can't just be like, you're not a good fit here. Like, you know, go somewhere else. And that's, but that's where all your connections in the entrepreneurial world is good because, you know, at least me, and I'm sure you do, and a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this have a lot of connections, know a lot of other people that are hiring. And, you know, you can refer them, you can recommend them, that type of thing. So yeah, it is hard though. Some of those conversations are, are hard, you know? Yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anyone's favorite part about running a business, um, but it's a necessary if you're going to scale because you, you're only one person, your capacities are limited. You cannot be in all places and doing all the things, you know, otherwise you're going to be the, uh, the stopper in the funnel. Absolutely. Yeah. You will never grow. Can't no. grow at all. Yeah. And you have to be able to give that up. Um, in terms of kind of leadership, uh, setting vision, are, are there things that you found that are helpful in terms of, do you guys try to get together as a team in person? I know that's probably hard because of the nature of your work and how much you guys are kind of spaced apart, but um, anything that you've learned there? Yeah, honestly, um, I think, I think, I think of COVID and all the negative things it brought, but I also think one of the really cool things that it brought was this ability to work from wherever. I think it creates, it does create team, um, it can separate teams for sure, but how cool for people to be able to work wherever they are in the travel industry, that's great. I have a team member in Germany. I have a team member who was in Zimbabwe for forever. They still can work. You still can be a team. They can spend time with their family in places they love. So for us, um, you know, we've really taken the approach with Akinella and even more so with Wander Camp that as long as we are connected and we're syncing and we are building team culture, which always doesn't have to be face-to-face -face at the camps, um, obviously it is like the team is there. So they do get that dynamic. So we kind of have, we kind of have two different sides to one mm -hmm. camp fully remote. Um, so we do, um, weekly meetings. We actually do touch base every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, even if it's 15 minutes and it's a chance for people to like shout out wins, shout out a team member, ask questions, but I'd say it's more so for team culture. 
to just, you know, share the things that are going well and share some of the learnings. Um, you know, and at camps, we do the same thing. We do daily standups. So whoever the camp host is does the daily, daily standups with the housekeeping and the maintenance and our whole team there. And they report back to the, you know, any, any big updates, wins, feedback to our main team. So there's always that cycle. And I think as long as you create systems where there is constant communication um, and also everybody has a one-on-one -on -one, um, not always with you. That's one thing that was hard with me with Wander Camp is it was the first business where not everybody was doing a one-on-one -on -one with me. So you give up a lot. Cause even at Canelo, when we grew, you know, 12, 15 people, you still can do one-on-ones. Maybe right. it wasn't me, but, um, you can't do that with every housekeeper. You can't do that with every maintenance person. So it forced us to put systems in so that people were still getting listened to. And we're still implementing this. Have we done it perfectly? Absolutely not. And that's okay. We're improving it. And I think as long as you're improving and you're listening to people, that's what matters. Um, so we're implementing a lot of those. So there's, you know, um, personal communication going on. There's also team-wide communication and just really, I think with the remote world, just really making sure that the time you spend together is really positive energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and or giving space for people to be able to be noticed and you know given an amazon gift card or you know do a survey and figure out where they like to shop or where their favorite restaurant is and just randomly you know every month surprise someone because of something that they've done because they've that they've contributed that's really important stuff mm -hmm. uh, that's what what we do to build our team culture and it's not just me as well um i mean we talk about partners i this is the first business that I, not fully, but um, my, my husband has joined because it is such a, I'm on the road all the time. So it's like, you know, it's not good to, he, he's right there, by the way, it's not good to be doing it by yourself. You should be in this podcast. Um, but, you know, I think having a healthy partner, whether that's a spouse or a, uh, someone you don't know, but you trust and they're the right person, you know, to have them in helping is really important. Totally. So I can, I can see in the background. So you can tell he's doing, he's doing his thing. Um, well, tell me a, a little bit about working, you know, with your business and spouse. I have a lot of my clients who've gotten to that point in their business where they've grown and now they've, you know, they've retired their spouse and brought them on. Um, what, what has worked with you guys in terms of, you know, separate roles, not micromanaging, not bringing your work home with you, which can sometimes be hard, you know, and still having different parts of your relationship. Um, any, any wins or lessons you guys have learned there? It is hard, I think, and it will always be hard. Um, I think you just have to be, it, it, no matter with any partner, but if it's your spouse, it's extra hard because I think, you know, you can be harder on each other. You can be, um, it is hard to draw those lines. Um, the first year in Wander Camp was really hard um, for Andrew and I because it's so stressful, right? It is so stressful. If housekeepers don't show up and we're there, guess who's cleaning tents, right? right. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's hard. And you, you know, with any partner, I think much more with spouses, cause you're maybe you're more open and you're, you know, talk a little bit differently it can be really easy to just have different perspectives on how you approach things. And you really have to be willing, this is something I'm working on to um, like, just let go, you know, let go some of how you want to lead or how you want something to be done and be okay. Trying something different. Um, and that's, that's how we've been able to function the best together this year. We've, and we've worked on it. We've really worked on it. Um, you know, we, 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 tr we even tried going to therapy. Uh, like there was this person that did, um, and I'm, I'm a proponent of that. It didn't right. really trying, trying to get more tools. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really work out for us. Um, but I would say we do, um, we have those conversations together and you do need to be able to have time where you can talk about what's working and what's not, um, as, as a couple as well as in the business, because it is different. Right. Mm -hmm. different. You can be so successful in the business side and your marriage completely falling apart right. or vice versa, right? And it's super important um, to, to, to make sure that you're balancing both and not letting what is most important to you go. Um, so I'm still learning, honestly. I would love to hear from other people like what they're doing because um, as your business gets bigger, you it gets harder. It does. It gets harder. For us, we're also starting to bring on more people in leadership which is super important because when it's just you two, it's a lot easier to stay cool, right? When something's heated versus if there are other people in the room, you're probably going to be a little more professional. So right. I would always just encourage like, just remember what is a business conversation and keep that out of relationship stuff. But right. And, 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 and get, go to a therapist. There are a lot of really cool um, business coach, couple therapists that I know people have had huge success with. Right. Try it. 
you know, might as well try it, see if it works. So yeah. yeah and see, and see, yeah, just to see if there's other things that you can be doing to try to set yourself up uh, for success and yeah, yeah, so that you can self confront and not, and not take it personally. Yes. Which can be hard, you know, and then you keep bringing it up. I'm bad about that. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get rid of it. You gotta get rid of it. Just let it go. Be like Elsa. Let, let it go. Never do that with a employee or a team member. So yeah. Right. It's true. You, you wouldn't, you know, and so don't, why would you do that to the person you care about the most? Yeah. But I will also say it is so beautiful to be able to work with the person you enjoy spending the most time with when you find the right balance, especially in travel, because, um, it wouldn't be fun for me to, to be here in Montana by myself, renovating this basement or whatnot. My husband still has a full-time job. So he's not fully over to wander camp, but he gives a lot of his time and he is mm-hmm. a huge reason why we're successful. He's a lot right. better operator than I am. I'm, I'm the creator. You're the visionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. cool. Which is good. I mean, that's good to zone in, you know, hone in on your strengths too and understand there. Um, any other kind of, you know, big picture lessons you've found is just being in this space, especially as someone, you know, I, I think it's what's tremendous about your story is that you got started, you know, soon out of college or university. A lot of time when I think people, um, you know, like you said, there's sometimes there's some great things about that kind of naivete and not knowing, well, why couldn't I do this? But, um, well, how have you, you know, have, is someone who had dealt with kind of imposter syndrome or had people tell you you're not qualified to be leading this or who are you to be leading, you know, a corporate trip at your age? Um, have you had issues with that? And, you know, what have you done to try to kind of refill your well? All the time. I mean, honestly, any time that I would get like a critique or a bad review or anything, the first five years, really up to COVID um, was hard. <laughs> and it's a balance. You got, I think you have to learn from them. Here, here's one thing that helped me though. If, if you really take that stuff personal, um, another female entrepreneur gave me this advice, have someone else read the reviews, pull or, or that critique, pull out the pieces of information that are like feedback and give that to you because you as the leader need to have that feedback and you need to actively be working on it. And you need to obviously, um, you know, if, if, a refund or something is due, be able to handle that, especially if your team is small. But there are ways I think that if you really struggle with that, I know I did early on, you can still process that information in a way that's healthy. Same with social media. I know people that uh-huh. have someone else read all their comments and you know respond to those. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, everyone's different. And I think it's you just gotta realize that. But yeah, no, I've had many, many people, especially when I was 20, 22, running an international travel company, just like just be like, what, like, what do you think you're doing? You know, you, you, you have no resume to do this. You know, you're 22 years old. You're, you know, you're a child, all these things. And I just, you can't even rent a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't, yeah. You're going to be 25 to rent a car, all these things. And I think for me, it really was, I re I listened to the people that were in my corner and luckily I had a lot of clients that were in my corner. Obviously you have family that's in your corner. You always need to listen to the people in your corner and keep them, keep that energy moving you forward. Because if you have that, you will always be able to read those negative things and approach them and fix them, but not be so overwhelmed. And if this happens too, if you have a day or a week where just everything seems to be negative, because that does happen, it does happen. It's okay to like step away or to go somewhere where you can fill your cup because the, the, what the negative people want is for you to quit. That's my true belief. Like push you or, off a pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and it's not like, and a lot of times they're not even personal attacks. It's just how we're taking them to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't let that win, you know, don't let that win. I'm a very competitive person. I think that's, what's kept me going. Okay. If someone says I can't do it, I, whatever they say, I'm going to do better. Like whatever that critique is, I'm going to work on that and I'm going to do it better. I think if you take that mentality, that's the athlete mentality in me. I'm a basketball player. Right. Um, That's why I went to BYU. Um, You know, it, it keeps you going. So it will happen and just know it's happening to everyone. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. I'm sure it's happened to every entrepreneur out there. We've we've all made mistakes, you know? you're not alone. And no, I love Taylor Swift. She said something, this is really cheesy of me, but she said something in an award show where, you know, if you're faced with like criticism and skepticism and all this negative stuff probably means you're rising. How cool. Keep rising. You want that stuff. Cause it means you're rising. So 
I think about that a lot. Yeah. If you're not getting any of that, it probably means you're staying really safe and, you know, and comfortable. Um, and there's no growth there for you, not for who you're serving, not for the value you want to bring. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. So, oh, I love that. Those are some really great thoughts. Um, kind of last part I want to talk about is in terms of now that you have kind of a, especially with series, you know, different brands, how have you approached um, competitors, you know, protecting your brand, people seeing what you do and, you know, me too businesses that pop up uh, on, on both sides of it. Maybe if people thinking that you're copying them or they're copying you, I think it's always interesting to see how that, um, th that's part of that that gets approached as you start to grow your business. Um, you know, any, any thoughts or any approach that you've, you've, you've done towards that? Yeah, it's interesting in service because unlike products, you, not always, but you typically don't have like trademark or copyright on like actually what you're doing. Anyone can go out and start a hotel, right? You, right. you know, it, there are a lot more barriers to entry. Same with um, a Canela. You know, we were kind of this hybrid tour, oper tour operator travel agency. Um, we curated our own experiences, but we partnered with people who had the licensing and everything ready to go in country, the hotel, right. the guides, the transport, because we weren't local, we couldn't do that. So um, anyone could go out and do that, honestly, anyone. And I think that prevents a lot of people from starting a business as well in the service industry. Well, anyone can do this. Anyone can set up tents, anyone can, you know, do this. Right. The way I approach it is, you know, um, yeah, but you know, they don't. <laughs> a lot of people don't, a lot of people aren't willing to put in that work. It is a lot of freaking work. And if they do, great for them. Um, we actually partner and this year we're partnering even more with people who I would say a lot of people would consider them their competitors. And I look at it and say, they have different strengths. We have different strengths. We get, we get into a new market. They get into a new, new market. Our products are different. Sweet. Let's do it. That's my mentality. Um, but yeah, we have had, um, you know, when we first started competitors on the upper end of us, um, you know, see what we're doing. We talked about like disruption, right? Starting right. low and pushing up kind of start to notice when we started popping up in a lot of locations they were like oh like these guys are going and you know we we've had a battle with them we've had you know ceos of companies show up at our camp like scouting pretending you know to see what we're doing which is which is honestly so cool we've had cease and desist letters sent to us for the you know honestly the stupidest things um and it's it, I mean, it's interesting. People just kind of just rattling your cage just, just to see, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's usually the same, like, couple of, you know, uh, who I honestly don't consider competitors, but obviously they consider us. Um, they could be a competitor in the future, right, if we continue to rise, but we're, we're a very different product than they are right now. But, yeah, it's just been interesting. Um, and, you know, it's people approach things differently. But, you know, when we get those things, I think a lot of times, the first one, actually, the first cease, because we got a couple, the first cease and desist letter we got, I didn't even really know what they were, because I'd never gotten one. I'm like, what is this? Like, they want us to take down our camp. Did, like, how can they say that? Yeah. So we looked into it. And like I said, they were for really stupid things. Like, you know, you're in the same locations as us. Okay, well, there's only five national parks. I'm really in three of them. Yeah, we're going to be in every Utah national park. Also, that's not something you can actually stop someone else from doing. <laughs> I mean, but that's a good lesson. Just because someone put it in an angry lawyer letter doesn't yeah. mean it's legit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they probably said these guys are naive. They're they're you know just starting. Let's like let's rattle their cage a little bit, like you said. And is that yeah? That first one, I was like, oh my gosh, like what are we gonna do? Um, but now I've just learned, you know, and even even things like you know when Wonder Camp we pop up in neighborhoods, we get a lot of neighbors come by and express their opinion. You know, they're like, oh, we don't like you here. We liked how it was before, naturally. Everyone is, especially in these areas. You right. gotta deal with that, right? And we're in the business of, we wanna make our neighbors happy. So, you know, we, we listen to their feedback. We give them a little gift. We tell them we're seasonal. We, we show them our permit. You know, we tell them they can come by anytime and talk to us, give us their feedback. Right. And so you are going to get that. Um, and sometimes it's going to be maybe a little more scary, like a cease and desist letter. I hope no, I hope none of you guys get that. Um, but if you do just know, like it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. Sometimes they have no latitude at all. And other times you involve someone like Brittany, <laughs> you, you know, and to say, is this real? Is this something I need to worry about? Is this a concern or is someone just trying to scare me off? Yeah. Having, I will say that too, as you grow, having someone in your corner, I would say in both the accounting and the legal side is so, so, so important because um, I know so many people that have just been kind of too scared to move forward or they kind of just let their, stop their business because they were afraid of infringing 
even on like a friend's territory or someone else. And I mean, you look at Uber and Lyft, look at Costa Vida and Cafe Rio. Like there are a lot of companies out there. I mean, look how many glamping companies there are out there. Um, there how many soda shops are there in Utah? I mean, yeah. let's. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't do it. Are there boundaries you need to stay in with? Absolutely. And if you don't know those, that's why you need to have someone in your corner. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. But there's room there. There is a big wide ocean out there, you know, and you and no one can do it quite like you find out what your angle is. What's your approach? What's the unique value proposition that you're bringing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if the competitors know about you, I honestly think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. It means, it, like I said, if the criticism is coming and the skepticism is coming, it means you're rising. It means that they know you're doing something. So now I'm kind of excited when the CEOs show up at our camps and I'm not excited when we get cease and desist. No. <laughs> we got two. They were right in the beginning from the same company and we, they were just trying to scare us to figure that out. But, you know, it's good. It's, it means that you're doing something, which is awesome. Yeah, you're, you're getting attention. And then that's just part of, part of the journey and growth. Um, kind of last question is in terms of your mentorship and leadership, um, where have you kind of sought out resources in terms of as you grow your business, as you step more into that CEO visionary role, what are you listening to, reading? Are you seeking out? You have a business coach. What are you doing to, to kind of up level yourself personally and be prepared for you know, leading your company? Oh, this is such an important thing to do. Um, I honestly love, it's not really like a, a mentorship podcast, but listening to like how I built this to get inspired. I love Guy Raz. Gosh, love, love him. But yeah, um, so many business books. I mean, I frequently reread like Atomic Habits, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, there are some like really good business books. And honestly, I reread the same ones um, because you pick up something new every single year. Um, I did have a business coach actually for quite some time with a Canela um, with Wanderkamp. I've kind of stepped away from that because I'm on the road all the time, but it is super, super healthy. Um, but even though I don't have a coach now, I still have that person and many others that I can reach out to for advice. So whether you have a board or a, you know, a mock board, which is just people you can talk to who right. care about you, who care about your company, to be honest, they don't even have to know about business. Some of them, some of them can just be, you know, a listening ear, but also having entrepreneurs who you can talk to um, and learn from, whether that's personally or by listening to a podcast, like how I built this is super important. Cause I think, starting something yeah you could say there's skill there's there's skill and determination it will skill involved but a lot of it is just being inspired and determined and having grit there's not like really any you know if you don't have a skill you can still start something great is what I'm saying and so having people who can inspire you and keep you going is super super important so and my husband is on that list too I'll say you know now that we work together it's we're, we're super aware of like making sure that we stress each other's strengths and, you know, it can be easy to forget that stuff, but it is super important. And, you know, you want to feel good about what you're doing. And so, yeah, that would be my advice. You don't need a business coach to be successful, but right. you get to that point where you feel like bringing one on is important because they can be expensive. Awesome. Do it. But there are right. other ways as well to mm -hmm. um, get that podcast, yeah. book. podcast yeah. books, all of it. Masterminds. Is that something that you've done or had, yeah, had a good experience with? I have done masterminds. I'm thinking all these things. I'm like, wow, I need to get back to this stuff. I've just been so busy. There are times and phases. It's too, hard. Right? Yeah. Seasons. Now, I'm building, like I'm, I'm back in the phase of like, I'm building something. And so I don't have a lot of time, but absolutely. I've been a part of masterminds, something I'll definitely do again. Um, once again, many, many people in your corner, you get to listen to their stories, their pitfalls, learn from them. You get to say, oh, wow their business is super hard too. Sweet. I thought it was just me. It's not just you. It's not. <laughs> um, there's also other groups. Like I know there's like, you know, EO, YPO, a lot of, you know, groups that you can be a part of um, in Utah, you know, the state where we're both in, there's a lot of like women's groups and things. Um, I, I honestly want to be more active in them. Um, and that, that, that is a goal of mine. But for me, I'm heads down building right now, but absolutely. Yeah they've contributed a lot to where I am because I have participated in a lot of those things and plan to in the future again. Right. So, which, I mean, it, you're in an awesome position where, I mean, you could even host stuff because you're, yeah. I mean, how cool glamping slash mastermind. I love that. I've done some girl class treat, retreats before with a canal that have been really fun, yeah. but yeah, I've thought about that with glamping, even just getting people together in the same 
like-minded people to experience something together, it brings out great conversations. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be super structured in terms of, you know, the, uh, you know, the curriculum or what kind they're going to be talking about. There's just something about, yeah, sharing physical space. And, and we, I think we have such a healthier appreciation for that now because, you know, we had so many opportunities that got canceled and still, you know, still seen. <laughs> yeah. I had an event get canceled last month and I already had like my, you know, my outfit for it. And I was just like, well, wearing a sparkly dress to church anyway, because here we are. I'm never, I'm not going to just let the sequence sit in my, in my closet, but it was, it was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Same on the Akinella side, we're still countries closing and ugh, so many things, but gotta look at the positive, right? Right, exactly. That's all you can do. Okay, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, I wanna hear about how the Montana, you know, uh, renovations going on and then where people can find you and connect with you at all, all of your different channels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's been fun. We have an off season now because Akinella uh, is still a little flatline. So um, yeah, we've been renovating properties in the off season. For employee housing for off-season revenue all the things i talked about so i'm in montana I have this beautiful snow-covered view in front of me um we're renovating we, we bought some land out here for um our new wander camp glacier location Ooh. yeah we leased land last year it wasn't the most ideal spot got feedback listened to it so now we're here um but yeah there's a uh 1600 square foot very old very run <laughs> Lots of potential cabin here. So we've- um, Lots of charm, lots of character, right? Isn't that what the real estate listings call those places? Yeah. Has a story. I mean, it, the old Glacier Schoolhouse, half of this house is a part of it. So we found old photos. Oh, it's that's super cool. History, beautiful, gorgeous views. And honestly, just so perfect for us to be able to, we're going to open up on Airbnb so everyone can come stay on it when we're, our camp is not open. Um, and we're going to be doing that on many of, we have the same one in Zion with an Airbnb down there, um, along with our camp, but yeah, that's the bulk right here. We have two weeks, two weeks to get it done. We're finishing the basement. We just framed and, um, insulated and, and I enjoy doing these things. So, so to be honest, I laid a lot of insulation this weekend. It's therapeutic for me. I laugh and tell people painting is my therapy. I sit in front of a computer, plan things, but with Wander Camp, it's been so fun to get out in the field and actually like dig holes and put down tents and a lot of people might say you shouldn't be doing that as a business owner hire it out yeah there is some truth to that but I I I love it it's so fun to see the transformation and I think if it's therapeutic and fun for you do it so yeah we're a very hands-on um in this renovation and it's been super super fun I've been sharing about it a little bit on my Instagram but yeah, yeah. it's been fun to watch your stories I mean there's something to it building some with with your hands creating uh, something out of you know what was nothing or what was in a very different shape before um it speaks to us yep <laughs> absolutely awesome. um and where can people find you? You know, if they're interested in one, all of your businesses, if they needed adventure and address and, you know, <laughs> adventures near and far, where can they connect with you? Oh, man, now that I have three businesses, I'm like, where do I send you? Um, first thing, um, my Instagram, which I probably need to change the name to be my name so it's easier to find, but it's at by Trisha. My middle name is Trisha, K-Y-T-R-I-S-H-A. -S I have all three business Instagrams linked there. And obviously all of those Instagrams have websites as well. If you're not on social, um, www.thewandercamp, W-A-N-D-E-R, like wandering. Mm -hmm. Wandercamp.com is where you can find us. We're also on all major, major booking platforms. So if you go to like booking.com or Airbnb, we're now on all of those. Awesome. Same with we have a website too. So A-C-A-N-E-L-A.com for in the future when you want to plan your trip we are doing a lot of trips right now um actually quite a few people are traveling um but you know it's it's up to each and each person on their comfort level right now so right of what they feel comfortable with and yeah and what, and what the options are in terms of internationally and what you guys feel like you can you know be there and do it safe and with all parties involved but i'm sure your vendors and the local people are very excited to have people traveling again yeah they yeah they message us every day just they are so ready so yeah, we'll get back. We'll get back there. Get back out there and do it. Do it in the right way. So, well, thank you, Kylie, so much for being on. This was just such a tremendous conversation. It's so great to see this and just the tremendous phases of your business and the lessons that you've learned. And I think you've got such a healthy appreciation for, um, for you know, for failure, for mistakes, and and growth, and then being able to pick yourself up. And like you said, there's there's something to, about that persistence. Um, but also learning and moving forward, understanding that's part of the business journey. 
Absolutely. And I'm so glad we could finally make this work. I know. We yeah, I know. Likewise. <laughs> I'm with their busy schedules. So this is a pleasure. Thank yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining me on that conversation. I, I just had the greatest time chatting with Kylie um, and just reviewing all of the different twists and turns along her journey. And like, just isn't that the truth on um, just being open to uh, to different ways of doing business, of serving people. I mean, how crazy is it that she started with a spice company that then turned into a travel company that then turned into a hotel and, you know, hospitality company um, and has learned all these things along the way. If you're interested in so many of the great resources um, that Kylie mentioned, we've got all of those goodies in the show notes, including the books she mentioned. Um, I also linked the, um, the famous Netflix culture deck that we talked about by Patty McCord, which has been viewed, you know, millions and millions of times for good reason, because uh, it's all about, you know, how do you hire grownups um, and make sure that you're having a good team culture with that. So um, some other resources that we mentioned are just kind of some of the basic things that you can do to protect your business as you grow. Like Kylie said, the reality situation is as your business grows, as your revenue grows, you're a bigger target. Um, and you need to make sure that you're taking those steps seriously as you start to hit those milestones in your business. So uh, no huge shock that if you're interested in getting yourself legally legit, my number one resource for you is to download my legally legit workbook. It literally walks you through step-by-step. Step. What are the questions you need to be asking? What are the tasks that need to go on your list? Step-by-step, step, how can you start to attack those and cross those off? So you can get that uh, link in the show notes or type in getlegitwithbrit.com. I know I, I can't be stopped. I won't be stopped <laughs> with the cheesy, with the cheesy rhyming. Um, you can also find links for our legal promotion kit for giveaways. If you're doing giveaways in your business and growing like that and you want that, or if you need to get your email marketing leveled up and you need to make sure you have a privacy policy in the foot of your website to make sure you're being compliant as you send out marketing messages, or as you're maybe hiring team members and wanting to make sure that your 1099s, those freelancers who are helping you build and scale your business, um, that everything's protected in that relationship, that you guys have clear boundaries and expectations about how you're going to be working with each other. Find that in my independent contractor agreement. You can get all of those and more at creativecontracts.co. That is my one-stop shop for getting getting your uh, compliant, industry-tested, attorney-reviewed, easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, downloadable contract templates and resources so that you can grow your business, get legal off your list, and move on with your life um, and wearing that CEO hat and growing all the things that you need to grow and serving all the people that you want to serve. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, make sure to tune in, subscribe, leave a review if you haven't yet. Um, those are super helpful in helping other people find the podcast and helping me get uh, more and more guests to take us seriously and to take these conversations seriously that can help you build your business. Thanks so much for joining me here and catch you on the flip side.